Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, gang, you know, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered all the news, scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You head to the website, betonline.ag, or you use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, gang, as always, certainly glad you're back with us. Well, our guest became a legend in Philadelphia, and now with more than 15 years in the big leagues, he's still hungry for more. It's Cole Hamels, and he already has a fat resume. He's got a no-hitter. He was also part of a combined no-hitter as well, World Series title, four all-star appearances. So it's going to be great to hear about his journey and what's next. And, Mark, I know his fans are really as excited to hear from him as we are. Mike, a World Series championship in Philadelphia. I mean, you're a staple in that city when you win a World Series championship. Cole Hamels, to me, was that guy that you wanted to watch pitch every single night. He did it a different way, whether it was the fastball command that would give hitters fits, but also that devastating changeup, had good weapons to go about his business, but he did it with consistency. And I love the fact that we're going to hear his journey leading up to that World Series championship and also those no-hitters. All right, Cole, 15 seasons so far in the big leagues. You're four all-star teams. You're a World Series champion, thrown a no-hitter. Not a lot you haven't done. But if we had to boil it down to what you feel like is your signature moment, what jumps off the page to you? Uh, You know, honestly, I think getting called up. You know, I I know that's something that I've told a lot of people. They always want to know, big game moment. But it's, it's finally getting called up to the big leagues, uh, just for the fact, because you put in, you know, days, hours, uh, you know, the ups and downs of not only trying to get drafted, but then it's the, the grind in the minor leagues, uh, as you, as you try to sift through just getting to that big moment of, uh, of achieving your dream of being a big leaguer. And so when you get called, uh, there's, there's just this, incredible realization that all of that work and that time that you put in uh, amounted to something. And that was, that was to get to the big league level. And, and now from there, you kind of see where you stand. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something quite special. Um, you know, anytime you're in a minor league hotel or you're in a minor league stadium and, and the, uh, the manager calls you into the office, either, Hey, you got in trouble, you know, yeah. you didn't pay, you didn't pay some sort of a bill or, you know, you were late to, you know, some sort of workout or didn't miss a meeting, but no, when you get called in and, uh, you know, he's telling you, Hey, I've got, got some news for you, pack up your stuff. You're going to the big leagues. Uh, that right there is just, you, you feel as light as air. You can, you, you just don't, you don't know how to describe it that certain moment just until you get a lot more time to reflect. And that that's just a, a special moment for not only yourself, but for your family that's been with you uh, in that journey. Cole, if you, if you reflect back on that moment, how did it go down uh, when you were in the minor leagues and, and who was your manager? How did they tell you? And then after the fact, when your, your head starts spinning, uh, what went on? Did you call your family immediately? How did that go for you? Yeah. So my manager was John Russell. And I think if you've ever met, he's not a man of, uh, of many words. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very true. So when, yeah. When he did call me and I'm like, Oh no, I, I, you have no clue. Um, but 
It was. I was in Scranton um, at the time. And just coming back, uh, I had an injury season the year before. So I was just trying to get a full season in. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had, uh, I had my wife there at the time. She's my girlfriend. Uh, so, of course, you know, I'm calling her because I just got to the field. And I'm like, hey, you need to come pick me up. And she's like, oh, great. What'd you forget? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm like, well, we need to pack our stuff. Uh, you know, I got called up you know, to the big leagues and, you know, she's excited. I'm excited. And then from there, you, you know, I call my parents, uh, they're super excited. And, and then it just kind of goes down the list, you know, call, call my sister, my brother, uh, you know, my best friend. Uh, and then it's basically like, okay, well, where are you going to pitch? We, we need to get tickets. How do we get there? Um, are we coming to Philly? Uh, because I did, I got called up a couple of days being a starting pitcher. I got called up a couple of days before they would act activate me. Uh, so then I'm kind of there, but I'm not allowed to go out in the game, you know, I'm in the dugout. That was kind of a weird deal. And I actually was there. If you guys can remember the Aaron Rowan catch where he broke his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I got called up that day and I'm in, I'm in the training room working out cause I can't be on the field. I see that play. And then Aaron Rowan's coming in with his face all broke. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is uh welcome to the big leagues. Like I, I, I didn't want to get in his way. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Uh, you know, so that was kind of something that was more incredible there uh, to witness that moment. And then, you know, we're flying to Cincinnati. So that was kind of where I was going. That's not the easiest place to kind of get plane flights from uh, San no. Diego, um, you know, for my family and everybody else. So, you know, heading to Cincinnati. Um, and of course, you know, I get to pitch against obviously my childhood hero, which was, uh, you know, King Griffey Jr. So I was, I was nervous about that too. Uh, and the funniest thing about it was the first time I ever pitched in the rain. Ever? It was okay. in Cincinnati. Don't pitch in the rain in San Diego. I mean, no, come you on. don't. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, and then in the minors, I just missed days with rain for some reason, you know, just all the ways, all the times I started, I didn't really have any rain games in the minors, even in Florida. Wow. And uh, take us into that day because you go to Cincinnati. Um, mm -hmm. I think the cool aspect and not that it doesn't happen in the minor leagues, but when you're in the big leagues that walk into a new stadium, um, maybe go out to the to the dugout, maybe see the field first. But seeing those big league jerseys around the locker room, uh, that never got old for me. Uh, how did you feel when you first saw that and you realized you were getting that start against Ken Griffey Jr.? Uh, I mean... Obviously, I was I was nervous just because it is. I didn't want to, uh, you know, disappoint my teammates. You know, you want to have a good start. You want to show them who you are. They, you know, I was a first rounder, so they kind of look at you like, all right, what do you got? You know, you got to prove yourself, and you, you want to do that. Um, and then you look at the team. You know, I'm facing you know Adam Dunn, and and obviously Encarnacion's over there. They had some good players, uh, so I was like, okay you, you just kind of barely study some video there. You know, you're, you're kind of meeting with the coach about what to do, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I've got to go in with my game plan. You know, what got me to the big leagues uh, and just kind of, you know, being on that, that sort of level, but yes, you walk, walk out to the mound, you know, and the crowd's kind of on you a little bit. You don't really get that in the minor leagues. That was uh there's definitely, you know, some butterflies and, but once you get in that first inning and that first pitch, you let that go and you, and you get that first strike call, everything just disappears. And you do, you get that sort of tunnel vision focus. Uh, and then I just kind of blocked in and, and enjoyed the moment. How'd you, how'd, how'd you do against Griffey? I did strike him out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I, uh, 
I know that is uh, that's one of the one of the uh, big moments that I'm definitely uh, excited about. You know, you threw those five shutout innings. You get it. It's a no decision for you, but a really good outing. What did it feel like after when you finally get the blood flowing again and you and you realize what you had just achieved? Oh, I could finally eat. <laughs> I could finally eat a meal. Um, it is. Yeah, it's just a surreal moment because, you know, you, you do. You have to talk to the media and you're just kind of going through everything that you need to do. Uh, you know, coach, coaching staffs there, you know, they're, they're, you know, wishing you well. Um, you're just in the weirdest zone uh, because it's so unfamiliar. Uh, you know, each day you, you don't know where you need to stand. You don't know who you're going to throw with. You don't know when do I work out? What do I do? Um, it was, uh, it took me a couple days to really get locked in, in knowing that I was a part of that team. I had a place. Um, I was there to help them win. Uh, and that was just then me knowing that I was, I, I'm a big leader. Yeah. And when you start looking at it, Cole, I think when you walk into a locker room and like you said, you don't know where to stand, you don't know where to be. It's an uncomfortable feeling and you want to be respectful for everyone in that locker room that's already done it before you. I think it's fascinating to know who took you under their wing, who, who basically grabbed you and said, Hey, this is kind of how you do it up here. And it's going to get easier. Just do your thing. But uh, there's always a guy like that. Who was that for you? Uh, I was lucky enough to have, uh, you know, Corey Lytle, um, you know, Mike Lieberthal, uh, Real Cormier, uh, you know, and then and then some of the other young guys, Brett Myers. Uh, but, you know, Pat Burrell for being a hitter. And, you know, he was the big guy there. You know, Pat Burrell was the guy, Philly. You know, when you have that type of guy come up to you and go, you know, you're damn good, you know, do your thing. We, we've got you, we've got your back. It's, it's such a incredible feeling of, of, of confidence. Um, and he did, he made sure he put me where I needed to be, um, you know, what I would do and, and he'd get on me, but it'd be a funny way he'd get on me where I could take it. And, and that was, uh, just the sort of respect, you know, being on the plane flights, knowing that you, you know, you, when to get on, when to get off, uh, yeah. what you had to carry, you know, they, all of a sudden you get bags handed your way and you're like, carry this up, carry it. Like, all right, I will do that. But that was the, the respect you gained when you did do it and you zipped your lips and, and you just grinded away with them. They then treated you so well, uh, you know, they would take me out to dinners, uh, David Bell. I mean, you know, he, he paid my clubhouse dues for pretty much the, you know, the remainder of the season. And I barely talked to the guy, you know, I didn't want to get <laughs> in awesome. his way. Maybe that was probably why. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, they were, I had a great group of guys that I was around that, that sometimes you start to think back, you're like, Whoa, I played with these guys. Yeah. You know, when we stay on that rookie year in 06, it was interesting to see your first win comes in your third start, but your first start at home in Philadelphia isn't until your fifth start. Mm -hmm. And I think most of our listeners are pretty darn savvy, but you lived that Philadelphia life a long time. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? Was there anxiety going in knowing I'm facing a team in, I'm wearing a Philadelphia Philly shirt in the home yard? No, that was uh, great memories there. So my family did come to that game you know, they're cheering, they're, they're yelling at you, you know, what do you have? You know, we're excited you're here uh, just because of what I was able to do in the minors, what they were looking forward to. I didn't have a very good game. I got booed off the field. So I got broken right into the <laughs> Philadelphia's finest uh, cheer squad, basically. 
from day one, my first start, I got booed off the field and it was, I just kind of shrugged it off. I was like, well, you know what? There's only way, the only way is up, (laughs) you know, got that out of the way. I understand this too, because my mom was really sensitive when she was in the stands because she Mm. would hear some stuff and not to the impact of I'm a pinch hitter. So there was only one (laughs) burst of them to being able to say anything uh, poorly to me. But uh, how did your mom take it? Uh, Because those tough times in Philly, that's a little different. And I I think you gain respect, kind of like what you said about in the clubhouse. But the way you go about your business in Philadelphia, I always loved that, maybe because I was from the East Coast. But uh, how did you and your family feel about that? They they were really nervous to talk to me after the game. Uh, I think my mom was 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 scared. I, she came up to me and just gave me a big hug. I'm like, Ma, it's okay. You know, hey, it's just one game. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of work to do. I think that was just kind of how I took it. You know, I always took things in stride. Uh, and and my mom just looked at me kind of sideways, like, You're sure you're okay? I go, Yeah, I, I I'm gonna get ready for the next game. I've got a lot to do and and a lot to work on. So. You know, and it is next game. Obviously, I did a lot better and and just kind of worked from there. But yeah, that was uh, I think when she knew I was okay with it and I was just going to shrug it off, she became okay with it. And, yeah. and I think that helped her. Plus, I was like, just keep watching the games from San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a lot better not yes. hearing that out, right? Yes. Uh, speaking of San Diego, let's bring you back to your youth. Uh, uh, did you collect baseball cards? And how was that impact when you saw your first rookie card for the first time? I know they did them in minor leagues, but that first official rookie card in the big leagues, was that special to you? It was. It, it's kind of funny because the the first one that I think they really used was when you're drafted. I think that was when it was kind of coming. And, you know, I'm a kid, 18 years old, and, you know, with a jersey on. I don't even think I had my hat on right. And I'm like, man, they had to use that as my as my baseball card. And they put a rookie stamp. I'm like, give me an action photo. But, yeah, when I first had that one with an action photo on a mound, uh, it was something special. I have, a, I have a bunch. My mom, you know, has a ton of them. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, I collected, uh, I mean, I always wanted to try to get Tony Gwynn. I mean, living down the street and playing against this, uh, you know, Tony Gwynn Jr. all the time in Little League was awesome. <laughs> but, you know, I collected, uh, you know, I tried to get Sterling Hitchcock, you know, Trevor Hoffman. You had, uh, um, you know, Steve Finley. Uh, you know, those were the guys that, you know, in middle school and high school, that 98 team was so special to me. Uh, you know, I got to go to a few games and, and just being able to listen to uh, the games, uh, the radio, uh, in the car when we would go do things. Uh, it, that was a, that was a great way to be a San Diego Padre fan during that during that time. And you know, Bruce Bochy is just I, I love him. Um, never you know had to have him as my manager. I wish I could, but absolute amazing human being. And that would have been a fun team to be able to play with. To this point, four time All Star. And your first time is uh, in 2007 as a 23-year-old. Is there any one game or one experience, all-star-wise, that uh, will stay with you forever? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, your first all-star game, a deer in the headlights. I mean, I'm you know standing next to all the guys that I would try to pick on the video games and, and create the dynasty of a of a baseball team on a video game. Now I'm sitting with them and playing with them, but. You know, 2016, being an all-star in San Diego, that was an absolute dream come true. You know, to pitch, uh, you know, in Petco for an all-star, you know, game, that was something that, you know, I will always cherish. Uh, My family was there in the stands. That was a special moment. 
and wearing those really cool old school jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know what, Cole, I I think an interesting aspect, especially a starting pitcher in the game is, is your catcher, your backstop and Carlos Ruiz, Chooch, they call him. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, man, I had a lot of respect for that catching position as a whole, but man, uh, you guys were lockstep also had an all-star game with him in 2012, which I think is probably special for you. What was that relationship like uh, with both of you guys? It was good. We we started in the minors, which was was nice to be able to start, uh, you know, developing a relationship in the minor leagues when you can do that uh, and developing that trust. But it is my first year with him. I mean, we'd be in games and we'd be going down, you know, under the dugout, bickering at each other, you know, yelling at each other for pitches that were called, you know, what he wanted. And I'd be telling him no. And, you know, we, we'd get at it, but that's what we learned about each other, about respect and about then having that confidence when, when I wanted a pitch, he knew to trust me. And when he wanted a pitch, I knew to trust him. Uh, but that takes a lot of kind of sort of disagreements and fighting and, and, you know, arguing, you have to have your voice heard. But from that day on, after my rookie year, he and I were just inseparable. And, you know, there were times, and the best thing about it, when I finally got to throwing my no hitter, there were times in that game, we didn't even have to, he didn't have to put down signs. We already knew exactly what to do. Sometimes he'd throw the ball back and laugh. And I knew exactly what he meant. And we were just so locked in, which is that's, that's something special. That's hard to get. Uh, you know, with a catcher, if you don't have that sort of uh, time and and uh, confidence with them. You know, that that no hitter is interesting in, it, uh, in 2015. But I would imagine there are times you go out there and you think my stuff is as good as it was on that particular day. But for some reason that day, no one could get it. <laughs> right. What's the what's the difference maker in, in that spot? Like, when do you know, holy smoke, this could be the day? Yeah, I think I think once you get through that lineup one time, um, yeah. it is. It's yeah. I've I've had bullpens where before the game, can close my eyes. I'm hitting everything. It feels like it's jumping out of my hand. Everything's got really tight break, and then from the first pitch, ball one, ball two, hit batter, <laughs> base hit. You're like, what just happened? <laughs> and then you're in damage control. Um, yeah, that just happened. And then there are days where you feel terrible. And, you know, you tell kind of the bullpen as the, the bullpen guys are walking out as you're walking in, you're like, get ready, guys. Sorry. And they're Nelson, they're panicking. And then you go nine innings and then they come in and they're, you know, cussing you up a storm because I had them, you know, on on their feet from the first inning and they couldn't sit down and they couldn't, you know, really settle in as I cruise through a whole game. It's just it's a weird dynamic being a starting pitcher. Hey gang, it's time now to make your outdoor experiences a lot better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity, and they're made with Japanese optics. So what do you get? Well, you get clearer, lighter, and stronger lenses. And you also get Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's KananCast15. KananCast15. Kanan. Clearly better. Yeah, you look at it, uh, Cole, and let's dive deep into that uh, no hitter in Chicago, which I think is is fascinating. You had the combined no hitter the year previous, but then you get go into Chicago Wrigley Field. Man, what an atmosphere to be in to be able to do that. 
129 pitches, I believe, 13 strikeouts. But a double Herrera with the catch at the end. Uh, to me, uh, I'm watching that aspect because when you get that no-hitter alert, you start watching that aspect. Yes. And he makes a diving catch, which probably wasn't supposed to be a diving catch. Uh, but what was going through your mind? Because I think that's an aspect of watching your emotions. Did you think that ball was hit out? Or oh, how yeah. did that feel? No, I did. Um, it's actually the only time I think in my career I've thrown a uh, a full count breaking ball. <laughs> you know, hey, why not? Let's do it. Uh, I mean, that was Carlos during that game. Carlos was just like, let's do it. You know, just straight out. I'm like, good idea. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. And I threw it and he hit it. And I went, of course that would happen. <laughs> you know, of course, the one time you do something you never do in your life, Homer, ruin everything. Um, and it is. I did. I thought it was out. but. Wrigley wins. Thank God. Good timing. Um, Why would you do that then of all times? Uh, (laughs) I know. I know. But it wasn't. He did. He made like a crazy catch, I think, an inning and a half before that, too, where, you know, the ball just kind of carried a little bit more than what he was anticipating. And you do. You have to look at him. That was the first time he's ever played the outfield was that year. Yeah. You know, he never played the outfield ever in the minors. And I think if you look at our outfield on that game, it was, you know, if you look at war or, or I don't know how they do the, uh, the judgment, it wasn't the very best outfield, but they did a phenomenal job. And that's why you got to give them credit. You know, there's just days where guys get locked in. That's a remarkable story. You know, the interesting part to me is it does take that village to, to raise you, right? You need everybody to contribute. Mm-hmm. There's always one or two special plays that typically don't happen. Uh, in addition to you're having great stuff on that day. Uh, when you look back at the moment, just to put a bow on it, does it remain one of your greatest personal achievements? It does. No, it really does. To to be able to do it, I had two really bad games before that, and I know I was on the trade block the whole season. Um, you know, so your mind is in a lot of different weird places. You know, I'm, I've been with the Phillies forever. I know, you know, my time's kind of coming to an end. Uh, you want to go to a winning team. Um, you know, everything depends on every game you pitch. Could be a different team wants you, and, you know, I want to win. And so that was something where I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, you know, I had two poor games. All-Star break was within that time. I'm like, oh, no, did I just kill my chances? You know, what's going to go on? And then, you know, found it. And and so to be able to then throw that no hitter, you know, kind of the last start being in a Phillies uniform was really special. And, and to do it at Wrigley Field is such a great place for baseball, the history there. Um, I mean, I enjoyed obviously playing for the Cubs, you know, just the last couple seasons there. It's it's there's no better spot. If I couldn't have done it in in Philadelphia in the home crowd, that was probably the next best thing to do to throw no hitter. Cole, as you mentioned, you know, that no hitter is your last start as a member of the Phillies. And we'll talk about that transition in a moment. But before we leave that timeline, 10 wonderful years in that Philly uniform, uh, including the runs to the postseason. Eight years in the playoffs in total in your career, a couple of trips to the World Series, including the championship in 08, of which you're the series MVP. Uh, Take us into that time in your life and the ride it took to get there and how special that was. No, I mean, it's it went quick. I think that's sometimes when you really think about it. I was so young in my career that I didn't really grasp you know, how special it was, uh, all of us, uh, I, we were so good. I and mean, we had a ton of great players. We were all kind of the top picks, you know, they, we were the nucleus of what Philly was building and we all, we all hit 
and we all came out to be what they they uh, projected us to be. Uh, and then we meshed really well, uh, which you have to have that. And so we just we just plugged away. It was so funny because when we would start spring training, we already knew from day one we're going to the World Series. So let's go, guys. Let's get. We're getting in our work. We're getting to the World Series. That's that was the game plan, and that's what we worked towards. There was no what ifs. There was no we need this guy. We're just like, we're going to the World Series. And if somebody wants to, uh, you know, carry us this month, you're going to do it. And if I, you know, I'll carry you this week. And it was just, we knew where we, where we played, you know, our place on the team. Uh, and then we got into the postseason, guys just would start clicking and, and firing away. And it was special to be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, how fortunate I was around guys that, that played the game and how good they were. Um, and then that does it, it leads into just how incredibly special it was to play with a Cliff Lee, to play with a Roy Holiday, Roy Oswald, um, you know, Jamie Moyer. Uh, we had guys, pitchers that just were were special, you know, Brett Myers. Um, you know, it's it's uh something. And 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 to then be able to all of a sudden, you know, Roy Holiday comes on this team and we've already won once. We went to the World Series, you know, the year before. We're the team. And now we just get the best pitcher for the last decade in baseball. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I mean, how can you get even more better? Uh, and to watch him from day one, he, he knew the plan. He knew the game plan in spring training and we all tried to keep up. I mean, that's really what you do with Roy holiday. You try to keep up. He's going to pull you and he makes you better. Uh, his, you know, his whole kind of game plan. I learned a lot from watching how he, he would sort of go about his business, uh, not just, in the weight room, it was how he played catch. He made every catch uh, count, um, you know, into his bullpens, his work ethic. I mean, he never stopped. And that was kind of the thing. I'm like, does this guy ever get tired? Uh, you know, so that was something where I was like, I, I'm not tired today. Roy's not tired today. So he, he did, he made me a better player. And then to kind of see him off the field, just how much fun he would kind of have with just the gadgets and, you know, his boys loved his boys. Um, you know, it would, you know, he was private, but if you got to know him enough, he would kind of slowly open up. And so that was kind of what we did over the next couple of years. And, it, and then it became something we wanted to get Roy holiday to the world series. Uh, you know, because we knew this guy deserved it and he wanted it and he wanted to share it with all of us. That was something that was even more special was he didn't like to take credit for what he was doing, even though he deserved it. Uh, even though he helped get us where we were. He didn't want to take credit for it. He's like, oh, no, you guys did it. No, 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 Roy, you did this. You helped us. Uh, and so to not be able to go to the World Series with that, that was so tough. I mean, that last game he pitched when we got eliminated, uh, game five, the Cardinal Series, you know, of course, he's going up, you know, against one of his best friends and, you know, Carp cheese. I mean, if we couldn't have a better game to watch. And, you know, Cliff and I are in the bullpen going, what are we doing out here? We're, we're not going to pitch. You know, can we just go back to the dugout and watch this game? I mean, it's a very, Cliff and I are like, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so it was tough. I mean, it, you know, he definitely has a, a big impact on a lot of guys and it's going to carry over because what I've been able to take, I hope I was able to then reiterate to, to other pitchers. Uh, and it's, it's it culminates a little bit more than I think what you think. And, and that's great. And you, you know what, Cole, I, I think uh, not being a teammate of, of Roy Halladay's, you didn't have to be, it was a devastation to the game of baseball uh, because of the respect that resonated from him. Um, I, I absolutely loved watching he and carp, which is interesting. You bring up that game five 
-hmm. that's the epitome of that era of baseball where you just loved when they locked horns, they had respect for each other, but you know what? Uh, They were going to go out there and will themselves. Um, That was a crushing thing, as I said, about baseball, but it impacted you, which I think is interesting for our listeners. Uh, It molded you for, for later on in life and going through your career and navigating that because did you give back more because of what Roy Halladay and the impact that he had, uh, meaning talks with uh, younger players, uh, pitchers that were influenced by you. Um, how did you handle those situations? No, you're, you're right. Uh, that's actually because over the last couple of years, there's been moments where I wish I could pick up the phone and call Roy to ask him a question about something because you know, I'm getting into the later part of my career, you know, right where he kind of was, and he was still at the top of his game. And I don't have that to ask. So now I'm having to look at it in a different way of, okay, how would Roy kind of do this? Okay, how am I going to get myself into this next level? Well, now I'm having these younger kids and these pitchers that are, you know, I can feel the eyes, you know, when you start to feel the eyes, I watch, I'm like, you know what, instead of just going about my business, I need to go talk to these guys, I need to be around them. They can help motivate me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden you're starting to use that sort of communication. Uh, and I think that right there is how you mold kind of the older mentality of, of what we kind of have with the younger youthful mentality. And that's, I think that's what you have to have on a successful team because you want to have a successful team for a long extended period of time, not that one to two year period. And then all of a sudden start back over. You want to have a dynasty. And, and in order to have a dynasty, you have to have that mentality of those types of players that have the experience that know how to talk to the younger guys that don't have the experience yet, but have all the talent and all the energy. And, and that's how you push and pull each other to be able to maintain a level of excellence. So that's kind of what I was trying to do with the Braves. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to play as much and COVID completely, you know, wiped off you know, any sort of opportunity with trying to be around and kind of coach up and build up those guys, but they have a tremendous pitching staff. So I think they're going to be good for, for a, a while, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm looking on what I can do for the next couple of years as I try to, you know, finish my career. You've left such an impression on not only the teammates, but the fan bases in the cities you've played in as they respect, I think the way you post, uh, yes, recently some injuries have gotten in the way, admittedly, uh, but the bulk of your career, man, you're a 200 inning a year horse. And then some as a young guy, you put in those 10 years we're just discussing in Philadelphia. And as you pointed out, that last start being a no hitter in a Philly jersey before you're traded. What was it like for you to hear the news, even though you had said, look, I knew I'd been on the trading block, but there's something mm-hmm. final, isn't there, about hearing official word. You're leaving an organization that you took to the top of the mountain. It's, it's tough. I mean, it really is because, you know, a team and a city, when you lock in with it, with them and an organization, it's your family. And so it's, you know, it's almost like when you, you kind of, you're 18 years old and you move away from home, uh, that sort of feeling of it's uneasy. Um, you know, and there's just so many stories and so many emotions that you have. It's hard to explain. That was what it was like leaving, uh, uh, you know, the Phillies, um, you know, and, and then to go to a league where I wasn't going to see him for a while, uh, that made it even, you know, a little different, but it's, it's a special place to play and especially to win. I mean, that's anybody that ever, you know, goes through and puts on a Philly uniform when you win in a city like that, um, that, that, that means the world and, and, you know, forever I'm grateful 
for fans that love the game of baseball and I get to go out there and entertain them. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's a grind. They, they kept me honest and that's what I like. Uh, you know, good game, bad game. You're only as good as your last pitch. Uh, they keep you working hard. You know what, Cole, uh, you've battled uh, injuries, as Mike alluded to, but you've also battled uh, some perseverance. Longevity speaks volumes, in my opinion, uh, in this game of baseball, which I think is fascinating. Um, I'll say this to our listeners. As a left-handed pinch hitter, I didn't have to face you. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's a good thing. But what it does, and it's a, it's a laughable moment, but I was over the railing watching and respecting the way guys went about their business. And you were one of those guys. And, and just to say that, uh, because you, you were a competitor, uh, being in San Diego had that extra ability just to watch what you've done. Um, but I absolutely loved how you competed every individual game. And that's what I always sense from you. Um, people say staple pitch, the changeup. I saw the breaking ball. I saw the fastball. I saw also the, the guys behind you, the way they respected the way you went about it. And they played defense behind mm -hmm. you. That being said, you've mentioned it a couple times. Um, you, you've said uh, hopefully two years, all that stuff. What's next for Cole Hamels? What's going to be on that plate? What's your motivation as you go into this season? Yeah, no, I think, um, no, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's basically, this is probably one of the bigger injuries I've ever suffered. Uh, you know, when you injure your shoulder, you know, normally you don't hear good things. And so it was last year was tough, you know, to not be able to throw. And then just having that injury with the season I was, I wasn't able to build back. Um, it's being able to prove, you know, to, to others that I'm not done, that I don't give up easily, uh, that I still have a lot left in kind of the tank physically, because mentally I know I can still compete at that level. I know I can still get guys out. Uh, it's always, it's the, it's the physical well-being that I think kind of ends a lot of us. Uh, but I still feel like I have enough, uh, you know, work ethic and enough way to grind through uh, injuries. And, you know, that's that's what got me to 200 innings every year. It, that, that wasn't a smooth 200 innings. Mm -hmm. there, there are games you're nicked up. You're not feeling so hot, but you have to you have to push through um, and pace yourself in a way. So it's just a different mentality. Uh, and, and I know I can still pitch and, and that's something where I know being a starter, you still have options with your left-handed left-handed, uh, you know, there it's kind of that you, you, you just teams want that. I, I know I have multiple pitches that I can get guys out with. Um, it's a matter of how long can I do the 200 innings? Can I do 150? What, what can I do? What am I going to be capable of in a season? And worst comes to worst, you know, I could just always go to the bullpen. So, um, you know, that'd be interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I can work on the Trevor Hoffman changeup a little bit. Better. <laughs> it seemed to work for him. I think everyone um, wants that pitch. Right? I know. I know. Um, but it's I'm not ready just yet. And I think I still have a lot to offer. Um, and it's just proving to teams that I don't give up easily and and that I, I have a, a pretty good work ethic and and, uh, you know, the intelligence to survive out there. You know, they say timing's everything, and your timing actually might be impeccable because to your point, right, the game has yeah. changed such that starting pitchers are no longer required to throw 200 innings. And if you can go four, five, six innings, that that may, in today's game, be sufficient. I mean, so perhaps this might be the time for, I want to call it a career renaissance, but certainly a good second win. It's not that is, that's actually the weirdest thing to, to say because it is. And, and with the sort of mentality I have is to start a game, you finish a game, 
you know, I have to make the adjustments. And I think that's what the game of baseball is, is the game of adjustments and accepting them and then perfecting what you can do. And so that's, that's where I'm kind of at. I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, adjust to what I have to do and, and then I'm going to perfect it. Well, I got to tell you, we all are cheering for you. We're big fans of what you bring to the game, the character you. you've brought to the game, the resume you've put together. 15 seasons currently, and we hope to add many more. <laughs> right. And you're also a, uh, a World Series MVP, a champion. You're an NLCS MVP. You're a four-time All-Star. I know you don't like hearing it, but we love saying it. And again, thank you so much for spending some time with us. No, this is great. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of the spring training and uh, the start to a new season. This, that's actually the weirdest thing. This is the first time I've not been in spring training in, gosh, 18 years. I mean, since I was 18 years old. Wow. This is a... Uh, it's different, but you know what? I'm getting in workouts. I work out, you know, for about two and a half hours a day with a bunch of other baseball guys uh, that aren't on teams. And we just, we're doing our kind of mini spring training. So we're, we're fighting and pushing each other so that we can get on a team later on. Cole, I know that uh, many teams would be lining up to try to get you and your, your pedigree, but also uh, what's more important is your knowledge to younger, younger players that can enhance their careers just like everyone else did yours so thank you very much as mike mentioned um uh, we look forward to watching you on the mound again thank you guys for having me i appreciate it thanks so much for checking out major league beginnings if you had as much fun as we did we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from it could be apple podcast google play spotify wherever you like we're just glad to have you aboard and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.